Even if it's a faith statement to your spouse. <laughs> you didn't laugh about that, so yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, we're going to start tonight, and before we do, um, my husband is kind of silly. He sends out announcements when I speak. I think that's kind of silly. We don't send out announcements when he speaks. What's up with that? <laughs> anyway, we did. So, uh, um, let's see. One thing I wanted to let you guys know about is some people have uh, gotten on the new Facebook page already. Keith has uh, agreed to let the churches and the ministry and FLI and uh, start a Facebook page. Yes. And so if you see it, it will say Faith Life Church Keith Moore. And so uh, you can get on there, and it'll be a statement on there, I think, kind of from him and stuff. So you can see that it is his, and, and uh, it is uh, official now. So, yes, glory to God. So I know that there was a couple of comments on there. There's nothing been said from the pulpit, and we've seen other ones. So we are saying it from the pulpit now. So there you go. There you go. So uh, we've been a little slow, and I think that's the most of the comments. Finally, 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 I think that's the most of the comments. So anyway, all right. And then the other thing, I, um, how many of you enjoyed Dave on Friday night? He's been doing a great job. Great, great job. I just wanted to tell you all, uh, we gave him off this weekend. It's his birthday Sunday. Yeah, he's 22. Yeah, he's younger than his daughter. So anyway, anyway, but we'll get right into it. Um, I thought I would do tonight, and uh, what I want to do is a lot of people don't understand a lot of the stuff that Keith is teaching on, on the binding and loosing, because they grew up like I did, Catholic. A lot of people grew up in circles that didn't understand a lot of the things that, you know, when I first started going to Rama with Keith, and when I first started getting around people, well, the very first time I ever went to even a Baptist, it was one Sunday, his church, it was his church when we were first married. Um, one Sunday we would go to the Baptist church, and then the next Sunday there would be a Church of God minister there. It was the same building. But it was kind of split. And one Sunday it would be Baptist and one Sunday it would be Church of God. Well, then on Sunday nights we'd go to the Pentecostal church. (laughs) And, of course, if you know anything about Catholics, they don't think any one of them is right. (laughs) So I was kind of, you know, mixed in all of that. And I didn't really understand any of it, you know. And they'd say, turn to this scripture or turn to that. Or they'd even tell stories of David and Goliath. And I didn't even know the story of David and Goliath, you know. Or I didn't know the story of of Daniel. Or I didn't know any of the stories, the three wise men, you know. And if you ever grew up like I did, people just assume that when you come to church, you already know all these stories and you already know all this stuff. But if you just got saved when you were 42 and you're 42 and a half, you might not know all that stuff, you know? And so I don't like taking, because of my background, I don't like taking for granted that when Keith teaches to me because of my background on a higher level sometimes than maybe everybody just right away understands. So I thought... I would start tonight and just give some natural examples of some things that we learned about binding and loosing. Is anybody interested in that? I thought so. Because um, when I first heard that stuff, I thought, oh, I need to run, <laughs> you know, from some of this stuff. Because I, it was, you know, when you grow up in different denominations, you think this stuff is flaky. You know, and so uh, I just thought we'd read the scriptures that he gave. I won't even give you any new scriptures. I don't want to do anything different than what he's doing. I just thought maybe we could add to it a little bit. So let's do that. All right. Let's just read his scripture. Matthew 16. And NIV verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He questioned the disciples. Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say 
Elijah. And still others, uh, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. But what about you? Say that with me. But what about you? Jesus asked, who do you say I am? Say that with me. Who do you say I am? Say it's you. Who do you say that I am? We're going to come back to that. Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Simon Peter's my friend. I'm going to start confessing it now so when I get to heaven, he'll be my friend. Yeah, he's like one of my favorites. You are the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus replied. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he admonished the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. I want us to go back to that verse. You can put it up there or you can just remember it. It was verse 15. It says, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And the reason I want us to spend just a little bit of time on that before we go any further is because that has got to be established in your life and my life had to be established in my life before I could go any further. And I teach our youth the reason that, you know, you're all the time hearing me say, I love the youth. I love the youth. I love the adults, too. But it's such a transition period with youth. They're coming from mom and dad's household, and they've been with them their whole lives, And don't get mad at me, but I'm going to say some things you're probably not going to like, but I'm going to say it anyway. I've seen a lot of households through the years. We've been doing this for 40 years. And I've seen a lot of households through the years that have preached the gospel to their kids, but not lived the gospel before their kids. And so when they get to youth, they're very, very confused. They're very confused about who God is. They're very confused about, is God this God that will do what you ask him to do or not? Because they've seen their parents supposedly, and maybe it's not even that, but believe for money, believe for healing, believe for their marriage, believe for different things or tell them certain things to do and they not do it? Do you understand what I'm saying? And so they come in there and they're very confused about who God is. So the very first thing that you've got to do, and it's the very same thing I've come to see with adults, what I had to do. is you have got to what Keith had to do when he went to Ramah. The Lord told him this. He said, Keith, don't think about what you knew or what somebody told you. You take everything that you think you know and you go back to this book right here and you see if you can find it in this book. Doesn't matter what the preacher said. Doesn't matter what your mom and dad said. Doesn't matter what the neighbor said. Doesn't matter what anybody said. You see if it's in this book. Doesn't matter what the song said. See if it's in this book. So what we did with the youth and still do with the youth, and what we need to do as adults, is we have to start to wear 
we begin to find out who God is for ourselves. We have to see that if mom and dad didn't get the answers that they were looking for and they supposedly believe God, and maybe they are. I don't know their situations. But maybe the children got... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, bewildered or uh, hurt thinking that it should have happened by now? Because to them, five years is a long time. To you, five years is not a long time. But to a, a child from 11 to 16, that's half their life. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so for them, it's like God let us down. I mean, we've had youth come into youth and they were eating out of trash cans, eating out of dumpsters, because mom and dad were believing God for the money. We've had youth living in tents because mom and dad won't get a job because they're in faith. I mean, we've had all kinds. So what you've got to do is you've got to take them and you've got to take them back to the Word and you have got to teach them who God is for themselves. You've got to tell them this book is true. And it doesn't matter, and it's not against mom and dad. It's just that if they don't find out who God is for themselves, they're never going to serve God for themselves. It's not against you as a parent. It's same thing. Now I'm going to change gears on you. Not about youth. It's about me, Phyllis Moore, and Keith Moore. And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself on it, but I, I have, I can feel the tension. What are you telling our youth in there? No. I'm not even in youth anymore, so relax. I will tell you this. I will tell you this. 95% of the youth that were in youth when we were doing youth are serving God today. In the ministry, serving God today. So that's a pretty good record, I would say. Is it correct, Rachel? She was in youth with me. I, probably some of the others are in here that were... Cassie was in youth with me all the time. Cassie was there right every week with me. Is that correct, Cassie? Are serving God today. I'm not going to tell you a lie. But what you do is you have them find God for themselves. They have got to find out how prosperity works for them. They have got to find out how healing works for them. They have got to find out how these things work in their life. Not just what mama and daddy told them, but how it actually works for them. For example, and I'm, this wasn't any of this in my notes, but it seems like that's where I'm going right now. For example, one night we gave them all $5. And we said, we want you to sow this Wherever the Lord leads you, you've got to pray. You've got to ask the Lord where to sow it. And sow it where he leads you. Then we want to know about your return. Every one of them. And they came in, every one of them, learning how to sow and learning how to reap. Before it was over with, before their three or four or five years, whatever, some of them were in there a little longer than others. Um, they were getting cars. They were getting money. They were getting college tuition. They were getting everything that you can think of. And not just about what they learned in youth. I'm not saying all the parents were doing that, but you can understand when somebody's eating out of a dumpster, something's going wrong. Right. You understand? Let me get back to my subject before y'all just hook for me. All right. So, um, um, what they have to do, youth, you, me, when I married Keith, I didn't know anything about the Bible. Now, I think my husband is the top of the tops. Top of the tops. But I wasn't, I was not studying like my husband was. I wasn't getting in the Word like he was. And you're going to hear that some more. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let me, let me get back to this. Okay. So, who do you say I am? Let's get back to that. 
you have heard preachers, you've read in books, you've looked at, you've listened to Keith's sermons, you've uh, been, how many have been saved over five years? How many of you been saved over ten years? How many of you grew up in a Christian home? There's where we'll start. Okay? Everybody that grew up in a Christian home, hold your hand up. How many of you that grew up in a Christian home think something different than what your parents taught you? Look at the hands. Look at the hands. Do you see what I'm saying? You've got to find God. Who do you say that I am? And what I'm trying to get at is I grew up in a Catholic home. And my parents told me about God. My parents told me to go to church. My parents told me God was good most of the time. But sometimes he did something bad to teach you something. But my point is you have got to find out who God is for yourself. Who do you say God is? And the reason that I'm getting this is because sometimes what happens in our lives is when we get up against something and we have to tell somebody what we believe and they begin to argue with us, say, for instance, prosperity. Do we feel confident enough in our God to be able to hold our face up high or our head up high and say who our God is. Who do you say God is? Is he a God that blesses you or is he a God that might meet your needs sometime? Who do you say God is? Now, you'll understand this more and more as we go through the night. Keep thinking to myself, who do I say God is? Say it one more time. Who do I say God is? All right. Now, let's go on. All right. It said in, let's see. Do I have my paper? Yeah. It said, um, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. How many of you have ever gotten a key to a new car or a new house? Okay. How many of you have ever just sat outside and looked at it and not got in it? You have just sat outside and never got in it, just left it there. One person. Why did you do that? Crazy? Okay. He said it. I didn't. He went. If you get the keys. Now. Here's a difference between Keith and I, if you want to know a big difference. If you get the keys to a new car with Keith, he's going to get it home as quickly as he can. Then he's going to park it. Then he's going to read the manual from lid to lid. (laughs) That's Keith. I'm going to get in it, and I'm going to drive it. Yes. And as I drive it, I will figure out what it does as I'm driving it, as I need it. Not read the manual. Not read the manual. I will put the key. I will find the ignition with that key, and I will drive it. Now, everybody is different. He will read everything, and he will know everything about it. But with that key, it will give you access to drive that car. It gives you access to it. Now, the same thing with a house. Everybody is going to be different. How many of you ladies, as soon as you get a house, you get the key and you go in and you start thinking about where you're going to put everything or where you're going to decorate everything or what walls got to come out or what color paints got to be changed or everything that's got to be done on it immediately? Okay, so how many of you guys get in and put your chairs where you want it to go and your TV hook it up and then you sit down? (laughs) You see, there's a difference in people. Everybody, you know, their keys are different. I remember 
I don't know if Dan was there or if Rob was there then or not, but they were there for the second one anyway. But um, keys are important. And I remember when we got the Yellow Ribbon Theater and we got the Remington Theater. And um, when we got the, the Yellow Ribbon Theater, it was a mess. We got a bag of keys. It was as big, I think, as that flower pot over there. It was so many keys in it. We had to have like a, a tote bag to tote them around and to try to figure out what key went to what. Those keys were basically useless to us. You understand what I'm saying? We had a bag of keys that would open stuff, would open doors in that building. It was a big building. It would open doors up, up high, up, upstairs. It would open doors downstairs. But we had no idea what they went to. Just keys everywhere. And that's the way most people's lives are. They have keys everywhere, and they don't know how to use them. They've got a whole book full of keys that they don't know how to use. That was me. That was me. Now, Keith read this verse on Sunday, and I'm going to read it to you now. I don't want to get away from his verses, okay? So I'm going to read you two verses, then I'm done with verses for the night. Okay. Luke... 11.52 in the NIV. He said, Woe to you experts of the law, because you have taken away, what? The key of knowledge. You, how many of you remember? He talked about this Sunday. The key of knowledge. You yourselves have not entered in, and you have hindered those who were entering. The key of knowledge. There's a key to knowledge. And um, I sat there Sunday and I was thinking about some of the stuff and I was just on my phone as fast as I could writing down notes. I mean, just as quick as I could text them down, I was writing down notes. And I was thinking about this. And I was thinking about how many of us... I know I have because I read them over and over again sometimes. But um, how many of us have heard the testimonies that I've read up here about the people, even the one just this last week about, was it the colon cancer or the, does anybody remember? Huh? Huh? Is intestines? Yeah, part of the intestines. That's what it was. Okay. Anyway, but he got healed or she or whatever it was. I can't remember what it was. But what they said was, they read Christ the Healer. They read God's Will to Heal. They were listening to God's Will to Heal, and they just kept on listening. And we've heard that. If you'll think just a minute, we've heard it over and over and over again. They just keep on, like, replaying it over and over. God's Will to Heal over and over again. And they just recycle it over and over again. And they don't just listen to it one time, but they listen to it over and over again. How many of you remember that in these testimonies? It's just over and over again. They just keep playing them over and over again. They don't just hear it one time. It doesn't just go in, then go out. It's like it engulfs their whole being. It, it just wraps around them. And I thought of something, and I made Jordan do something. Jordan, get that apple out for me. I made her work on her day off, but she, she don't mind. She helps me all the time. I thought of two things, and I couldn't, I, I started to do one and give everybody one, but I, it was too late. She'd had to spend a week doing it. But, but I thought about this, and I thought, it wraps around you just like, yeah, ooh. Look at this apple. Caramel is wrapped complete. Can you even see the apple? It is so wrapped around this 
that you cannot even see the red or green or whatever. What color is that apple? You cannot even tell what that is because it is so wrapped up in word or we'll call this the word around this apple. It is so wrapped with that word around it that nothing can penetrate it. Do you see that? It can't get to this. We'll cut off a little piece of it if I can. Sometimes these are so hard that you can't. It can't get to this inside. This is you on the inside. But it, you've, you've coated yourself so much with the Word on the outside that nothing is penetrating. And the devil's trying hard to get to you, but he can't because you've covered yourself. It wasn't, this didn't just happen because you heard something one time. It happened because you just kept coating and coating and coating and wrapping yourself with the Word to where the devil, when he would say something, you were coated with the Word. Now, I want to get into this binding and loosing thing just for a minute and because I thought about something. Um, I thought about myself. And I thought about the first time that I tried to Cast the devil out of somebody. Loose somebody. Now, I had been around the Word, I don't know how many years by that time, but I had been sitting front and center. I had been around Brother Hagin personally. I had seen Lester Summerall do it on numerous occasions. How many of you know Lester Summerall? He don't play around. If you know Lester Summerall, he don't play around. I'd seen it happen many, many times. I was an expert at watching it. I knew the formula backward and forward. I'd been in services where it had happened. I'd been close up and personal when Brother Hagin had done it. I'd been around Keith when he'd done it at healing school. My own husband. I'd heard about it. I'd heard scriptures. I'd heard it taught. Binding and loosing. I'd heard, heard those very scriptures read over and over again. Year after year after year. And I was working for a doctor. And a lady came in. And she had to be 78, 80 years old. And some of you may have heard this story before, but you know what I thought? I thought, some of you have probably heard that before, but I thought this. I thought, if I went to a service and I needed something, I would want them to preach just for me. So if this is just for one person in here. The Lord would do it just for one person because that's what I would want done for me. So I would do this whole service just for one person because that's what I'd want done for me. So I'd sow that because I love people. So this lady came in. She got off a bus. It dropped her off right in front of our office. I had been working for this doctor for years. I had a Pretty good, uh, I was the office manager. I had pretty good rights in the office. He, he would pretty much let me do what I wanted to do. I had brought him in a lot of good business. We, we were doing really well and, and the Lord had prospered him because of some things with me. It's a long story, but anyway. So she came up and she said she had fallen or something had happened and, I don't remember the whole story or somebody had pushed her or something and she was hurt and she didn't have any money and could we please x-ray her and help her out? Well, I'm a baby Christian. You already know that. I'm Catholic. Keith just went to Rama. He's been there. I, I may be five years old basically in the Lord. Maybe, maybe six years old in the Lord. 
Do you understand that? Well, this man that I am working for has to be 40 or 50 years old in the Lord. His brother-in-law had the biggest church in town. Spirit-filled for decades. And I went to him and I said, uh, you know, I really want to do this for this lady. What do you think? Can we do it? Because we he was real, had a real giving heart. He, he was a giver. And he said, uh, I don't feel good about it. He said, I, I think she could be trouble. He said, I, I, I think we could have a problem with her. And I said, but she just is an old lady. How could she be any trouble to us? Number one, I should have listened to my elder. Number one, I should have listened to my elder. Number one, I should have listened to my elder. Number one, I should have listened to my elder. Number one, I should have listened to my elder. Number one, I should have listened to my elder. Number one, I should have listened to my elder. He said, he did not say no. He said, I don't feel good about this. That should have been enough for me. It's his business. He pays the bills. But he said, if you want to do it, do it. But I don't feel good about it. So what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? What's number one? I should have listened to my elder. He said he didn't feel good about it. We took her in. We x-rayed her. She left. The next day she came in. It was a 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock hour. Everybody gets off work. The office had maybe 50 people in it. We were a very, very busy practice. We had three doctors. I was running around trying to deal with everything. Janet worked for us for a little while. Got her off the street. (laughs) And um, she came in. She was just screaming and cussing and using every foul thing that a demon would use. So I took her out to the side door. Mistake number two. Took her out to the side door by myself. Trying to talk to her. She was telling me she wanted her x-rays and that her x-rays were not black and white. They were colored. Have you ever seen a colored x-ray? Her x-ray was colored, and we were trying to give her something that wasn't hers, and she wanted her x-rays, and they were colored. And she was throwing a fit, and so I proceeded to try to cast the devil out of her with all my expert knowledge (laughs) of seeing everybody else do it. This 80-something-year-old woman... How in the world is she going to do anything to me? Let me see that cane right there. They'll get it out eventually. We got time. She took her cane like this, like she was 20 years old, and she whacked me for 15 minutes, and I couldn't get away. I was black. I was blue. It was a miracle I didn't have broke bones. And nobody could hear me because there was so much noise inside because of the business that was going on. And I couldn't get away because I was backed up against the wall. What was number one? 
I should have listened to my elders. Number three is what I want to get to tonight. Just because you hear something a hundred times don't mean you're ready to do it. Just because you're around it, you don't get it by osmosis. Just because you see people do it, don't mean you know how. I was as close to it as most anybody could be. Let me show you a couple of things about it. Doing things with the Lord is not carnal. The things of the Lord are spiritual. Most of the world, most of the church, tries to do the things of God naturally. They try to do the things of God with formulas that they've seen other people do. They try to do the things of God by watching the way other people have done them and doing it exactly the same way. And how many times in the Bible did you see Jesus heal somebody exactly the same way? Let me read you a verse here and then we'll go on with that. Let's see. Acts 19:11 NIV God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits what <laughs> left them now who was that Now, one quick question. Did Paul have a relationship with the Father? Yes. Again, did Paul have a relationship with the Father? Yes. Was Paul doing something because he saw somebody else do it? No. He was doing it why? Because he had a relationship with the Father. And he was doing it because the Lord told him to do it. All right? Verse 13. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits. What's the next word? Tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus... Whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Siva, of a, a Jewish priest, a chi- Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And one day the evil spirit answered them. Which she answered me. I didn't get into the whole thing that happened. I just told you part of it. But, um, and jumped on them and overpowered them all. And he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. My heart hurts. So many times. Because I see the church And I talk to Keith about it all the time. I see the church using God just as an add-on. They want to live in the world and get God results. 
They want to live worldly but get spiritual results. And it just doesn't work that way. You can't do it. Spiritual things are spiritual. If you want spiritual results, you got to do spiritual things. Which means things like, be ye holy as I am holy. And it's like Jesus told them, this kind comes not out only but by what? That word, prayer, and that word, fasting. Spiritual things don't just happen when we do everything that we want to do in the world and then we put on our Sunday clothes and we go and try to cast out devils or we go and try to claim the money that we need or we go and try to claim our bodies healed. Yes, the Word works, but we can't live the way that we want to live and then expect God to give us His best. That's not the way that it works. And my heart hurts because God wants to do so much for us. He's got so much that He wants to do for all of us, and He's not holding it back. He's ready to pour it on us, but we have a part to play. We have things that we have to do just like that lady. God didn't intend for me to get beat up by that lady. That was not His plan that day. But I could not live going to work every day and avoiding church every opportunity I got, so much so that Mom Hagen had to call me aside and say, Where are you? I said, Working. I had to figure out who God was for me. I couldn't just serve Keith's God. Although Keith knew his God really, really well because he studied every day and he prayed every day, I had to get to know God for myself. And it's great that your spouse knows God and it's great that your mom and dad knew God. Jordan, you want to get our setup ready? We got another setup we're going to show you. Uh, You know me, I like illustrations. When I study, you may be different. But when I study, if I can see a picture or a video of something, I got it. You know, if I have to just read something, it's a little bit hard for me to get it sometimes. Or or I won't confess that over my future, but it has been in the past. (laughs) You know, but if I can see something, a video of it, you can just show me something, sometimes I got it. I'll remember it forever. You know, but if I um, can see it really good, let's not get nothing on my Bible. Spread it all the way out because I'm going to spread them all the way across the front here. Or actually, I'm going to spread them across the back so I can stand behind it. Let's just do it up. And um, I think this may help you, help you understand what's going on. We'll put all this underneath here. What is she doing? I ain't never seen Keith do this. It's fun, huh? It's fun. Oops, I don't need this. I tried to do a very spiritual thing naturally. I tried to cast out the devil, which is an easy thing to do. When you know the Lord. It's easy to do. When you spend time with the Lord. But you can't be as carnal as the devil. And try to cast him out. Do you understand that? If you're as carnal as he is. Why should he run from you? Huh? What's he afraid of? He's not afraid of you. He's only afraid of the God in you. He's not afraid of you. He's only afraid of God in you. You can't do anything on your own. 
And that's where Christians have gotten messed up. They're trying to do things on their own. And we can't do anything on our own. I was trying to do that on my own. I thought I'd seen it. And I was feeling my oats. I thought I could do it. I've been around this stuff now for a while. Five whole years. You know? I thought I could do it. Have you ever had, I'm not going to call it a faith failure because faith don't fail, but something you called yourself in faith about fail? Three people. Four people. Five people. I've had a dozen of them. Till I grew up some. And I quit trying just to release my faith for things that I wasn't ready to release my faith for. How many of you have ever heard Brother Copeland tell the story about Brother Oral telling him, don't lay your hands on him until you're ready to release your faith? How many of you ever heard Brother Hagen tell the story of he wouldn't even pray a prayer for his kids until he got in the Word and found scriptures to stand on whatever he was believing for. Now, I've been around in my lifetime, I'm going to say three, because I include my husband, great men of faith. And I ain't never seen one of them that didn't get that book out before they did anything. But I've seen hundreds of Christians that just instantly will start blurting stuff out of their mouths saying, I'm believing for this. I'm claiming this. And have failure after failure after failure after failure after failure. And it hurt. Because every failure that you have not only makes your kids, comes back to that again, guys, think God is not real. And not only does it make them think God is not real, but it makes you start missing one more church Sunday, one more Friday, he's not real, why should I go? If he won't do anything I ask him, why should I do this? You might as well say amen, it's so anyway. We don't want people's faith to fail. We want everybody's prayers to be answered so that they can build up and up and up and up. I don't want you to fail like I failed. So let me show you some examples here. Let's see here if we can do this. Let's see here. I'll just pour these in here and then we'll start. Let's see here. You're going to think I'm silly, but you already knew I was, so that's nothing new. And I don't think he's watching. If he is, he thinks I'm he knows I'm silly, so there's nothing new about that. He wouldn't know what to do if I wasn't silly. You think you got it figured out? How many think you got it figured out? Not yet? Okay. You come to church on Sunday. You come to church on Friday. You soak up the Word. This water is the washing of the water by the Word. You're soaking up. You soak it up, soak it up, soak it up, soak it up. You're soaking up, right? Like right now, you're soaking up, right? Some of you are, some of you napping. <laughs> That's okay. I'm not offended. I'll be like... Who was it? Keith could tell me if he was here. Um, old time minister, person was sleeping. He said, I'll go ahead. You ought to get something out of one of them, sleep or 
sermon. You ain't getting nothing out of the sermon, so you might as well get something out of your nap. <laughs> yeah. So you're soaking up the Word here, and you're full of it. You're just, see, full of the Word, full of the Word. See? Everybody see it? Yeah. You're kind of full of the Word when you leave here because Keith goes a long time. I can say it. He still loves me, no matter what. He has to. But then, you get around. This first one, you get around your friends. You get around your family. And you get around traditions of stuff. Mm -hmm. And you start thinking about things of the past. And you start thinking about what people said, you start thinking about past experiences, and you start all this stuff. So that's people around you, your past, your traditions, all week long. This is just one week, okay? Then this other group of people, they don't have that to deal with. They don't have friends and family that they have to listen to all their mess all the time. But they start reading books that are not good. Take them away from the real things of God. The real book that you should read is the Bible. I have an opinion about that, but you don't want to know my opinion. And they look at TV stuff they shouldn't do, and social media they shouldn't do, and politics and theories, and their own expert opinion, like my expert opinion about casting the devil out all week long. All week long. They're just doing this all week long. Now, when they left church, how were they? Full of the Word. Mm-hmm. Then, this person here, this person here, they're just all about their feelings. They're just always sick. They're just always all about their feelings, and I feel this, and I think that, and I feel this, and I think that all week long. Just constantly about what they feel and what their boss did and what they feel and what their boss did all week long. Now, they were full of the Word when they left. You know, Keith used to have this at healing school. He'd have them all week long at healing school, and they'd be healed when they left on Friday, breathing good, walking, doing good. Then they'd get this all weekend. Then you've got this one here. This one here, I think I hate the, the, the very worst. This one here is just, it's lighter. You can see it's lighter. It's, it really, it looks red, but it's really yellow. In this food coloring thing, it's, it's a yellow color. And um, it uh, twists doctrine. Keith said something the other day. He said, uh, God is first in your life. And he should be first in your life. So we got an email from somebody, and they said they didn't need to spend any time with their wife because God was first. That's as stupid as him not getting in his house. (laughs) Or his car. Or stupider. Because that's not what Keith said. Twister of doctrine to make it say what they want it to say. a twister of doctrines. They'll get in the Bible and take this piece of Scripture and that piece of Scripture and make it say exactly what they want it to say. Like you can beat your spouse or you can make somebody do this or just all sorts of stuff. They were, they were okay when they left here, but as soon as they left, they started thinking about it and twisting things. And immediately, let me read you a Scripture. Let's let that just soak in for just a minute. And let's put up Matthew 12:34 in the King James Bible. O generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? Or just the opposite. How can you being good speak evil things? For out of what? The abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The NIV says, For the mouth speaks, 
Can you see it? Read the last part with me. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now, this last two years, there's been a lot of hurting people. How many of you know that? And instead of us being able to, and I said us, that means everybody, being able to minister to people as we should, we've done these things after we left the service. So when somebody comes up and asks us about shots, COVID, politics, whatever, we can't give them the word about anything because we're too full of what our family thinks. What comes out of us? What color is this water turning? Can you see it with a camera? Can you get this camera on this? It's, it's not white. What color is it? What's coming out of them? Everything that they've thought about. Their family's opinions about COVID. Their family's opinions about this. Their family's opinions about their jobs. Their family's opinions about everything. Not the word. Or... What about this group? It's not their family. What's happening to the word down here in this water, this clear word? They can't give an opinion about the word. They can't give a word. They can't give these people peace. What can they give them? Because out of the abundance, put it back up there. What the heart is full of is going to come out. What your heart is full of is going to come out. Every one of these, just your feelings is going to come out. And it's going to taint the word. It's going to taint the word. See, it's tainting this word. Your opinions, your feelings taint this word underneath here. It's tainting it with your opinion. We've got to, and you can see this one, it's yellow now. It's tainted word. We've got to quit giving our opinions about things. We've got to get back to directing people to the word. We don't read things that don't minister to peace to us. We don't look at things that don't minister peace to us. I've had to pull away from people that don't minister peace to me. People that I love. But they don't minister peace to me. And if they don't minister peace to me, I can't minister peace to you. I can love them. And I will love them. But you shouldn't read things that don't minister peace to you. You shouldn't watch things that don't minister peace to you. We need the knowledge of the Word. The only way that I was able to grow and be able to do things and learn how to bind and loose was I had to get away from different people. I had to get away from different opinions. I had to get away from different things. And I had to separate myself to to realize I couldn't, I didn't have the time to read other stuff. I didn't have the time to watch TV in the beginning. I didn't have the time to do some of those things. Because I wanted to be a greater use to myself, to my husband. I wanted to be able to bind and loose. Now I want to give you some examples of binding and loosing. Are you ready for some? Beside the cane one that I got beat up on? Okay, let me give you some. Let's see here. All right. Just the other day, 
Well, let me give you this other one first. Week of increase. How many of you enjoyed week of increase? Ain't my husband, he's just good. But I forget what night it was. Maybe Thursday? No, Thursday was the great offering. I can't remember. Maybe it was Friday or Wednesday, one of the other nights. But you'll, you'll recognize what I'm talking about. It just seemed like it was the night that he talked about Joseph, and it was the night that he talked about the different ones that were faithful. What night was that? Some bright people. Whatever night that was, okay? Do you remember what night that was? It was one of the nights, okay? Whatever night that was. At the front of the service, I don't know if you remember or not, but he just kept going here and going there and going here and going there. And I was just sitting over there, and I was just binding the devil. Because I was thinking, his time is getting away. His time, and I knew what he had on his heart to do. And his time, and, I was, and Dave said, what is wrong with you? Are you okay? And I was just underneath my breath. I was just binding the devil. Because it was something that I knew he needed to get out. But what was happening is he needed to get it out so bad that... The devil was trying to stop him from getting it out. And he did. He finally did. But we have got authority in situations like that. We have authority to where we can bind the devil to be able to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish in our lives. Okay, say for instance, you're believing for a house. I'll use my beach house for an example. It's sold. It was sold when we, we got it. You don't have authority to just necessarily pray that uh, you can have it from somebody else. And that's where people go wrong. You can't, and you don't want to take it from somebody else. But you do have the authority to bind up any spirits that are behind it causing any problems that would cause you from getting what God has intended for you to have. Amen. You can't just bind, you cannot bind up another person's spirit. But you can bind up anything that they are doing that is harassing you. You can bind up the spirit behind it that is harassing you. Does that make sense to you? Okay, just the other day, uh, Rob and I were going, uh, we needed a permit for something. I forget what, I think it was a permit. Anyway, it was something that we needed. And it was not coming through. So, Rob, come up here and tell what we did. You can, you can tell it better than me. Somebody give him a microphone. He's got one. We got together and prayed over it and uh, bound anything that would hinder it coming through and prayed over it being at the right desk to the right people to the right places that it would move forward that it would move ahead and then it would come to pass so we bound it was two steps that we did we bound up the devil from hindering it we loosed the ministering spirits to get it where it needed to go so do you understand that we have we have Angels, which are called ministering spirits that are sent forth to minister for us who are heirs of salvation. So that is something that we can do. We can loose our ministering spirits to go forth to minister for us, to do things for us. Every time I go to the mall, what am I going to say? I loose the ministering spirits to save me a parking place. Every time I go to do my hair, you think I'm silly? I lose the ministering spirits to help me to fix my hair. Every time I go shopping, I lose the ministering spirits to help me to find what I need without having to look all day. Put it out in front. Pull it out. Help me to find what I need without having to spend six days you know, uh, looking for it. We needed some slides and hinges, you know. So the other day, we haven't got them yet. They're on the way. But what did we do? The same thing. We called them in 
and called the location of them that they would be able to find them, get them, ship them, and be in the place that we needed them before we actually have to have them. So they're on the way. They're coming in. We'll have good testimony soon. And we don't need them yet. So we have been, we've had, we're doing, of course, you know, the bedroom edition and stuff. And we have had supernatural favor because every time that something has come up, we've had to bind the devil uh, 500 times probably in this project and loose the ministering spirits to go forth and, and get our tile or get our pavers or get our, uh, uh, Dan's working on getting the pavers or get our, uh, our, our toilets or get our whatever we needed. But that's what you have to do. It's the same thing with a, a fever. It's the same thing with a stomach ache. It's the same thing with a headache. It's the reason that this bothers me so much is because it comes back to who do you say he is? Let me explain it to you again. Who is he in your life? Who do you go to when you have a headache? Who is he to you? Do you go to the Tylenol container? Or do you go to the scripture? Who is he to you? Who do you say he is to you? What you should do, and I'm not saying throw away your Tylenol, but you should start first. First. The first thing that should come out of you. What's coming out of you when you get squeezed? What's the first thing, like this sponge, when you get squeezed, what's coming out of you? The first thing that should happen is words should come out of you. When you get a headache, find a scripture first. Don't run to the medicine cabinet. When you get a bellyache, run to the scripture first. Not saying don't take your medicine. I'm saying do this first. It's like Keith's talking about the people being free from cigarettes. He didn't say throw away your cigarettes. He said do this first. So what are we full of first? What's the first things that come out of you when somebody irritates you? Do you start cussing them? Do you understand what I'm saying? I know too many Christians. I hear them cussing and I'm like, oh, What's coming out of you? The first thing that should come out of you is peace. What's the first thing coming out of us when things irritate us, when things bother us, when things don't go our way, when we don't get what we want? What's the first thing that when you press this sponge here, what comes out of you? What are you full of? Are you full of the word? You full of soap operas? You full of what? We've got to get full of the word. The devil is not afraid of you if you're more full of him than you are of God. We want him afraid of us. We want him when we tell him to flee, he's got to flee. Okay? So we, we want to make sure that when we bind him, we say he has to go. When we say um, we're healed, he knows, we know what we're talking about. It's about knowing God. It's about knowing his power. It's about knowing that when we got full on Sunday with this word, we can keep it all week till the next week. Instead of filling up ourselves with all of this. Can you say amen? Stand up on your feet. We've done enough.